the Mishnah on the Fyudal Damadalaf. Zok the Heilige Mishnah, Beishamai Yoimrim, Beishamai say, Tavlin, you have spices, Nidoichim, Bemodech Shaleitz. So if you want to crush it, you should use a wooden pestle to crush it, which means that you're not using the regular stone or metal pestle, you're making some kind of a shinoi in what you're doing here. Of course, we're talking here about something which would be the malacha of teichin, you're grinding on uh, yontif. So Bishamah is saying it could be done on yontif, but with a certain shinoi. The hamelach, when it comes to salt, has to be done with a much bigger shinoi. The pach, you can take the, uh, the Rashi says, an earthenware flask, and you should pound it with, that, with the weight of that. Or or with a wooden ladle. Again, with a shinui, but the point is, by salt, the shinui has to be a much bigger shinui than when it is with the uh, tavlin, the spices. When you come to crush the spices, you can, you can do that in the regular way. With the stone pestle. And salt, there has to be a shinui, but a much smaller shinui than what Beshamai said. You don't have to use a flask or a, a ladle. You can use also a pestle, but a wooden pestle. So both Beshamai and Beshil agree that regarding salt, there should be some kind of a shinui, but the question is how much of a shinui. So this is, uh, uh, the po- main point of the Mishnah is a distinction between where you pound and crush the, the tavlin, spices, and salt. What's the reason for this difference? The Gemara explains. Dr. Gemara, the Kula Almamias, everybody agrees, Melach Boy Shinui. That when it comes to crushing the salt, you have to do it with a Shinui on Yantif. Question is how much of a Shinui? But what's the reason for the Shinui? My time. Rafuna, Ravchiste. So there's an argument between Rafuna and Ravchiste about this. Chadomar. So one of them says the reason is because Kola Kedair is Kulon Srichis Melach. No matter what you're cooking, every pot needs salt to be added to it. Ve'en Kola Kedair is Srichis Tavlet. And not every pot, not every dish needs to have the spices that you're using. So therefore, as Rashi explains, when it comes to something that you know that you're going to need it on Yontif, so then you, you could prepare it before Yontif and you should prepare it before Yontif. But on the other hand, something that you didn't know you're going to need before Yontif, so that you're not expected to prepare it before Yontif, so therefore you can do it on Yontif. So therefore the salt, you knew you're going to need the salt, so why didn't you crush it before Yontif? Whereas the tavlin, you didn't know you're going to need before Yantiv, so therefore you can crush it on Yantiv according to Basila without any shinui whatsoever. This is a very fundamental point regarding Yantiv, regarding Malachas being done on Yantiv, that anything that you know that could have been done before Yantiv, Chazal didn't allow to do on Yantiv. Minat the Malachas of Eichel Nefesh are allowed to be done on Yantiv, whether you know that you were going to need it on Yantiv, whether you didn't know, makes no difference. Chazal were Mesakin, and the Alter Rebbe brings from the Rambam, the reason is, because Chazal didn't want Simchus Yantiv to be disturbed. If a person is going to leave all those things that you could prepare before Yantiv to be done on Yantiv, so then it's going to come Yantiv and Ash on Yantiv, you're going to start working and preparing and doing everything that could have been done before. You won't have time to sit and enjoy Yantiv. Therefore, they will misakin that Hakane, whatever could be done before, should not be done on Yantiv. And even if it's done on Yantiv, it should be done with a Shinoi. So, this is one reason. Chadomar, another opinion was, based on a, a similar point, but it's, it's not a, a different shot here, that call hatavlin mafigin taiman. When it comes to the spices, so they lose their flavor. If you do it from yesterday, so the sharpness goes away. So therefore, it's, it's, not, it's not something that could be done yesterday. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not going to be the same taste. Melach, But when it comes to salt, 
the salt doesn't lose its taste if you crush it from before Yantif. So again, the same point, it could have been done from before Yantif. And if it could be done before Yantif, Chazal and Mesakin, that it has to be done before Yantif. What's the difference between these two reasons that we just said? So the Gemara gives two, two uh, situations where you could have a, a nafkemina. So one difference would be the yada maikdeire boy levishuli. When a person knows exactly what kind of food, what kind of pot he's going to be cooking, so therefore the person knows the spices that he needs. So therefore, even regarding the spices, you say that he should he should have done it from yesterday, and therefore if he's doing it today, he has to make a shinui. That's one nafkemina. This is according to the first reason, what the point was that he didn't know, but over here he does know. Inami or nafkemina based on the second reason, bimarike. Marike is, uh, you have the translation over there, so some kind of a spice that even when you prepare it from a day before, it does not lose its flavor. So you can't, what is it? Saffron. Saffron, okay. See, so it does not lose its flavor. So you can't say that he couldn't do it from yesterday. He could have done it from yesterday. So therefore, even, even this, it's a spice, but uh, you do it on Yantiv, you should do it with the shinny because he, he knew he could have done it from yesterday. Anytime you're pounding anything, any of these spices, you could do it in the regular way that you do it during the week. And even when it comes to salt, even though in the Mishnah it said that everybody agrees, even Basil agrees, that salt is something that you have to do, pound it, you have to crush it with a shinui, but he said even salt can be done without a shinui. But didn't you say, what it says here in the Mishnah, that Melach by Shini, that everybody agrees that by salt, it does require a Shini when you're coming to pound it. And for the Gemara, who the Oma Kihaitana. Rav Yudamashmul is following the following opinion here, which says different than what it says in our Mishnah. Tanya and Abraisa, we learned, Omar Abmeyer, Abmeyer said, There is no machloikis between Beishameh and Beishilol. When you come to, to pound whatever spices it is, you could do it in the regular way. And then, since the spices are allowed to be done in the regular way, so you can put the salt together with the spices. If the salt is being pounded together with the spices, even though usually for the salt, maybe you would need a shinui, but if it's being done together with the spices, over there everybody would agree that it could be done together without a shinui. If you want to pound the salt separately, says it needs a shinui. Melach, bepach, or that the melach, when you crush it, has to be done either with a, with a flask or with a ladle, and not in the regular way. Litzli. And this is if you're using the amount of salt that you use for tzli, uh, for, um, for roasting. Avaloi likedeiro, but not for the pot. For the pot, you need much more salt, so you're not allowed to do that on yontif. So only for tzli you're allowed. Or beisil oimrim, and beisil says, even when it comes to the salt, and you're doing the salt separately, not together with the other spices that you're allowed to pound on Yantif, but still, you could do it separate, alone without any shinui. But the Gemara just clarifies this lotion of Bechol Dovar. What does Bechol Dovar mean? Bechol Dovar Solkedaitoch. Does Bechol Dovar literally mean you could use any utensil to pound the salt? And Rashi says, the Gemara's question is, 
There could be a utensil which is malachtoy le'iser and it's muktze. Are you allowed to use even a muktze item to go and pound the salt? How could you use such an expression of b'chol so the Gemara answer is no. What Basil was saying is not bicholdava, but lichaldava you can use to, to crush the salt for any amount, even whether for roasting, whether for the more salt that you need for a pot. Either way, you can use it for any amount of salt. That's what he meant to say. But nevertheless, as Rashi explains, the point still remains that when Basil was saying lichaldavar, he was saying that you can crush the salt in any way without any shinny whatsoever. Right, as the Bryce started saying, if you do the salt together with the tavlin, there everybody agrees that you don't need a shinui. When are they arguing if you do the salt alone, whether it needs a shinui or not? Beshamai requires a shinui, because salt you could have prepared from before Yantiv. And Beshilal still says it does not need a shinui. So it was this opinion over here of Beshilal that Rav Yudah Mashmul was basing his, what he said on, that you don't need a shinui, even for the salt. Avacha Bardal said to his son, Kidaiches, when you uh, are pounding and crushing the spices, Atzli Atzluye. You should make a shinui, which means you should tilt the utensil that you're using on its, on its side, tilt it with a shinui. Vidoch, and that's how you should uh, pound it. Rav Sheishes heard the sound of a pestle that was pounding uh, uh, spices. Omar, he said, Hi, love, megav, This is not coming from my house. Because I wouldn't allow, they know in my house that they're not allowed to do this on Yontif. How did he know? Maybe they were pounding it, but they were doing it with the shinny. They were tilting the utensil to the side. And for the Gemara, the Shamei, David Saul Kole. He heard the sound that it was clear in a way that he knew that they were using it in the regular way. Maybe it was uh, they were crushing the spices, and for spices, Basil says that you don't need any shinui, only for salt you need a shinui. So how do you know it's not in his house? And the Gemara tavlin nevuchim kalayo. When you crush spices, it makes a different sound. It makes a louder sound, or more like a bark. It's not not the same as the sound of salt. And he heard, he knew that it was the sound of them pounding the salt without any shinui. So therefore, he said, this can't be coming from my house. They know that they're not allowed to do this. In other words, he's arguing with what Rav Yudah Mashmul said before, that you could pound salt without any shinny. So we learned, You're not allowed to make tisni on Yontif. What's tisni? So Rashi says, you take the kernel and you, you crush it and you divide it into four pieces, the grits, but it's specifically when it's divided into four pieces, into quarters. That's what's called tisni. So you're not allowed to do this on Yontif. And you can't uh, pound whatever spices you have in a mortar, the way it's usually done during the week. This b'raisa seems to be saying two halachas which are actually a contradiction to each other. Why? Because first it says tisni. Tisni sounds like specifically crushing the kernel into quarters, which takes motirche, dafke that you're not allowed. And then it says, that you're not allowed to pound in a mortar in any way. It doesn't make any distinction. This is how you read the Braise. You have to read it as one thing. What's the reason why you can't make these grits that are split into quarters? Because you're not allowed to pound in a mortar. You're not allowed to do it in the regular way. That's the reason. But if, if that's the whole point, so just let it say it clearly. Let it just say, You're not allowed to pound in a mortar, and that's it. And you know, you know that you're not allowed to make the tisni as well. Why does it have to say the detail of tisni? 
And for the Gemara, because eat Tony. If we would just say that you're not allowed to use a mortar, I would think to say, It's referring to a big mortar, which is the regular size of a mortar that's used during the week. That's how it would touch machteshes. If you're using a smaller size, a small mortar, then I would say maybe that's it's a certain shinui, and maybe that is allowed on Yontif. That's why the Braise said that Tisni, so Rashi says, the Braise spells out Tisni, that you can't make Tisni, why is it, it's saying something specific to tell you that you're never allowed to make this Tisni in no way, a large mortar, a small mortar, it makes no difference. So it's coming to tell you that you don't make this distinction between a Machteshes Gedoyla and a Machteshes Katana. So this the Gemara asks, but how could you say so? Vatanya, and another Braise we learned, Ein Koitsche B'Machteshes Gedoyla. You're not allowed to pound in a large mortar. In a small mortar, which is a shinu, it's not the way you do it during the week, you are allowed. So the Braise clearly does make a distinction. So, so the Gemara brings two opinions here. According to the first pshat, the Gemara Taka goes back on what it said before. Amar Abaye, so Abaye says, you're right, we're going to have to say that Kitanya Nami, Masnite, the previous Braise, when it speaks about the Tisni, over there it's also speaking about Machteshes Gedoyla. It's only speaking about a large, uh, a large machteshes, not a small machteshes. In other words, the b'raise before, as Rashi explains, is talking only about a, uh, a, a large machteshes. And the b'raise there was saying two different halachas. What it was saying is as follows. When it comes to this tisni, which is taking the kernels and dividing it into quarters, that's something that takes more tircheh. That's something that's not allowed, whether it's with a large machteshes, whether it's a small machteshes. But otherwise, spices, the spices, like it said in the second so we quoted there, you're only not allowed to do it in a large mortar, which is a regular way it's done during the week, but in a small mortar it is allowed. So Abayi is takapaskening that there's a difference between a large mortar and a small mortar. That's uh, one shot. Rav says, you have a contradiction whether you could use a machteshes kitano, it's not a contradiction because loikashi. Hold on, here we're talking about for us here in Bavel, and here the Braith is talking about for the people in Eretz Yisrael. What's the difference between us and Bavel and the people in Eretz Yisrael? So Rashi says, for the people in Bavel, they didn't have servants that helped them out in the house. In Eretz Yisrael, they had servants that would help them. I guess they, that was the derech in those times. The people in Eretz Yisrael had more servants in the house. So therefore, in Bavel, because there's no servants, we're not concerned that if we're going to allow them to do it in the small one, they're going to come to do it with a large machteshes. So therefore they're allowed to do it in a small mortar and we're not concerned they're going to come to do it with a big one. In Eretz Yisrael where they have servants, so Rashi says we're afraid they're going to be mezalzal. If we're going to allow them to do it in a small one, they're going to say, look, if we could do it with a small one, we could do it with a large one. So therefore over there in Eretz Yisrael, they asked both, the large and the small one. Rav Pope was by Mashmul on a Yantif. They brought him Daisa, which is these grits that was pounded. On Yontif, they brought him to eat this. He didn't want to eat it. Why? Because he held that it was not allowed to be pounded on Yontif. Why not? Maybe it was done with a small machteshes. We just said with a small machteshes is allowed. Even according to Rave, in Babel it is allowed. And for the Gemara, the Chazedah, he saw that the grits, it was very fine. It had to be done in a large mortar. 
Maybe it was prepared from yesterday. How did he know it was prepared from today? And for the Gemara, the Chazye, because he saw the Avakolif Tzare, he saw the appearance had these white streaks in it, he saw that it was fresh, freshly pounded. Okay, that's one, one teret. Another point the Gemara says, when you get to this that we ask, that maybe it was made in a small machteshes. Vibay same shani be mashmul, the house of Shmuel is different, even though he lived in Bavel, the Ike Pritsusa the Avdi. He did have servants in his house, and he's afraid that if they're gonna allow the servants are gonna see that they can use this that was pounded today in a small machteshes, they might come to be mezalzel and use a large machteshes. So therefore he didn't want to eat it on Yantif. Now we come to the halacha of Bayrer on Yantif. We had this before, but here this is the place where the Mishnah and the Gemara focuses on this. So Habayrer kitneis be Yantif. Someone that's selecting the kitneis from the shells, from the peels on Yantif. So how you do this? So Bayrer oichel v'oichel. Just like on Shabbos, the only way Bayrer is allowed is if you're taking the food, not, you don't take the psoilas, you don't take the, the impurities, but you take the, few, the food and you eat it right away. Then it's a lot, and you have to do it by hand. Basilil says, no, you don't have to do it that way. You can be bayrer, kedarkai, you select it in a regular way, like you would do it during the week, and bechaykai, and you don't have to eat it right away. You put it into your lap, you make a pile of it to eat for later. Bekinun, it can be done with a kinun, which is some kind of a funnel that uh, separates the, the good from the bad, or betamchoi, in a plate where you shake it, and the, the kernels go to one side, and the shells go to the other side. Aval, even according to Basil, not with this large board, and not the different types of sieves, a, a more coarse sieve, a finer sieve. These are utensils that are used for bayrer when you have larger amounts. So you're not allowed to do bayrer to prepare for after yontif. So that's even according to Basil, not allowed. But otherwise, according to Basil, you could do the bayrer in the regular way, which is to take the psilis out and to even to save it for afterwards. Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel says even more so. You can have the beans and you want to get rid of the, 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 the bad parts that are there. So what do you do? You pour water over it and then the, the shells and whatever, they rise to the top and then you can skim it off. You can even do bite it in that way as well. Tanya, we learned in Abraise, Rabbi Gamliel. So Rabbi Gamliel said, so according to one gear, there's another gear here in the Gemara that it's... Um, it's Rapshimim uh, Gamliel, right? When was this said over here in the Mishnah that the Basilel said that you could take out the psilas, the regular way of Bayer? When there's more food than the psilas. But if you have more of the impurities than the food, Everybody agrees that you have to take the food, the maniach is psilas, and you need and you leave the psilas because it's it's more tirche, it's it's harder for you to take out the psilas because you have so much psilas. So therefore, when there's so much psilas, you have to leave the psilas there and you just take the food, even according to Basil. So the Gemara asks on this psilas meruba ala eichel. If you have much more psilas than the food that's there, would anyone even allow to do any bite in here? So Rashi and Taisus both explain that the issue is that it's mukta. If you have so much psilas there and the kidney is stuck between this psilas, all this it's really all mukta. So how are you allowed to do any of this bakhlalan yantif? So the Gemara answers, the nafish What we meant to say is not that there's a lot more psilas. 
It means when it's very when it's more difficult to remove the psilas than to remove the food. But Vizutabishiyura, there is less psilas than the food, but like Rashi says, with these psilas is very thin pieces. So it's it's pushed more of a strenuous activity to take out the little thin pieces of psilas than to take out the larger pieces of food. In such a case, even Basil would say that you have to take out the oichel and not the psilas. Okay, we paskan of course like Basilil that you can do bayrer on yantif, kedarka, like Vesilo says, even if you're taking out the psilis, but only in a case where it's less of a strenuous activity to take out the psilis, and even if you're not eating it right away. But the thing is, there's one catch. That's only if it's a kind of a bayrer that you couldn't do before yantif. Similar to the point that we learned in the previous Mishnah. If it's something you couldn't prepare before yantif, then you're allowed to do the bayrer, kedarka, yantif. If you could have prepared this bayrer before yantif, you're not allowed. So if you have something, if you have a fly or something that fell into something, if you had the issue started on Yantif itself, then the bayer is allowed. But if it's something that you could have selected from before, then you're not allowed to do it on Yantif. That's what the Alter Rebbe says in Shulchan Aruch. Even with the Yeah, even with the Well, if you bayer the Eichel itself, so then that, that's the way you do it on Shabbos. It's the same thing, right? <coughs> Next thing it said in the Mishnah was, Rabbi Gamliel, af you're allowed to uh, even put water on it and have the psilis rise to the top and skim it off. We don't paskin like this, like Rabbi Gamliel. But the mother brings the bride, said, This was the custom in the house of Rabbi Gamliel. They would bring a barrel full of lentils, and they would spread water over it. And the nimtza and the, the, the food, the beans or the lentils would go to the bottom and the psilis lamayla and the psilis would, still, would rise to the top, float and they would take it off. In Abraise we learned that the opposite would happen, that the lentils would rise to the top and the psilis would go to the bottom. And for the Gemara it depends which psilis, like Kashi, Hoba Afra, the earth that was mixed in with these lentils, that would go sink to the bottom, and Hob Begili. But on, on the straw that was mixed in with these lentils, that would rise to the top, would float on the top, and they would take it off. says, When you're sending food to your neighbor, to your friends, and Yontif, so you should only send him prepared portions of food that he could eat today. Like Rashi gives example, you send him pieces of meat, pieces of fish that are cooked and cut. That's the kind of food that you can send to your friend in Yontif. Basil says, even something that's not prepared yet to eat for today, you can send it to him. You can send him from an animal, a bird, whether it's still alive, whether it's shechted, you can send him either of these, even though it's not yet prepared to eat for today, but he, he could prepare it to eat for today. And also, wine, oils, and flowers, and beans. But grains, that's something that you can send, because teichen is not something that um, you're allowed to do on yantif. Okay? So because teichen is not allowed, so therefore uh, you, you shouldn't send it today. But Rav Shimon says with the Tua you're also allowed and the reason is because even if usually you have to pound it and you have to crush it and grind it to make it of a flour, but as we learned before in the Gemara, there is a way that you can use the Tua. If you take a small mortar and you crush it a little bit, you can make a cereal out of it. So even, even the Tua is right to be used for today so you can send them this on Yantif. Even according to Basilil, 
that you're sending, you could send a person all the different kinds of things in Yantiv, but don't have a line of people, in other words, a whole group of people that are going and delivering food. And the reason is because it looks like that they are going to the marketplace. It looks like that they're going to, uh, to sell this somewhere. Tane and Abraisa we learned, ain't shura pchusa mishloisha b'neyodam. When it says a shura, a group of people, that's no less than three people. Boy Ravashi, Ravashi asked a question. How about if it's Tlosa Gavri, it's three people with Tlosa Mini. But each one of these people is using, is bringing something else. One is bringing the fish, one is bringing the, the flesh, one is bringing the challah. They're not all bringing the same thing. So what's, what's going to be the din then? Is that like a group of people which is an issue or no? Each one is bringing their own min. I look at the min and there's only one person for each min. Teiko. So the Gemara doesn't answer this. Rabshimen mater betvue. So the Gemara says, Tanya, we learned in the Braise, Rabshimen mater betvue, kagonchitin. Reason is, even though it wasn't pounded yet, and usually you can't do regular teichen on yantiv, but still you could, you could pound it with a small machteshes, lasisman ludiais. You could make ludiais, which is some kind of a cereal that you make out of the grits of the, 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 the grain. Sa'irin, litn lifnei behemtoi. If you're taking barley, you can use it to feed for the animals. Adoshim, lentils could be used. Lasis menrisisin, also some kind of a grits that could be used also to make cereal from it. So therefore, this is also fit to be used on yantif. Zokta mishneh, meshalchin, kalim. You can send to your friend clothing. Whether it's already sewed, even clothing that's not sewed, it's also fit to be used on Yantif. Even if you have clothing that have Klaim in it, it's also something that's fit to be used on Yantif, as the Gemara will discuss. And these, these, they serve a purpose that could be used for Yantif. You can't send the sandals that have spikes in it. That's not, you can't use that on Yantif. And not a shoe that's not sewed together. Also can't be used on Yantif. So that you can't send to your friend on Yantif. Also not a white shoe that wasn't yet painted black because it's Mipnei Uman. It still needs the craftsmen to paint it. They didn't wear white shoes. The point there is as follows. Anything that your friend could have benefit of it on Yantif itself. That you could send to your friend on Yandif. But if not, you can't send it to Manyantif. Why are you sending to do it? Because uh, you, you, you're sending and you're carrying in the Rishusarabim, the Tirche, to send it to him for something that has no use on Yantif, you're not allowed. Frag the Gemara, so Bishloy Mitfurin, when you're sending your friend clothing which are sewed, so Chazalam Albish, so that you can wear as a garment. Even if you have a garment that's not sewed yet, it's, it's a, a, a garment that you can still, you can cover yourself with it. But it said in the mission, even Kalayim, what could you use Kalayim for? You're not allowed to use Kalayim, so what's that, what does it say that you can send that for? And for the Gemara, if you're going to want to answer and say, it's fit to place it as like a cushion under you. you can, so you, the, the Isra of Kalayim is, that you're not allowed to put the climb on top of you, that it should cover you in any way. But if it's below you and to sit on it, maybe that's allowed. But that's not true because what Tanya, we learned in the Braise, the Torah says, that you should not have the climb as a garment on top of you to cover you. So now, you are allowed to use the climb to sit on it, under you, or to lie on it. But nevertheless, there is a gzayre that Chachamim said, also, that it's not allowed. Why? Maybe one thread of this claim 
will come and go on top of you and will cover you and not just be below you. And therefore it's not allowed. There's two pshatim here in Rashi, what this means. Because really if you just have mamish, literally one tiny thread that goes on top of you, there's no issue of climb either then. Because the issue of climb is when it actually gives you some benefit. When it, it covers you and it gives you some warmth or some benefit. If you have a tiny little thread, it doesn't give you anything. So Rashi says, either we're talking about a glufkirin, and Rashi says, shakirin coat, a coat. You have a very thick, uh, thick climb, and even one little thread of it is enough to make you warm. It could epis give you something. That's the gzayda. Or Rashi says another pshat, since you're sitting on it, and then one thread of that garment that you're sitting on goes on top of you, even if it's just one thread, it'll be an issue of climb. Because you are really getting something from this climb that's below you. Elamai, the title says, has to be lamailo. So if there's even one thing that goes lamailo, it's mitztaref with it that's under you, that it's warming you, and therefore it'll be an issue of climb. So there was a gzayda of chazal that you can't use climb in any way. But maybe he still could use this kalayim in a different way. How is that? You're not going to sit on it directly. You have something that's separating. It's a few layers and this kalayim is further down below. But that's also not allowed. In the name of the holy congregation Even if you have ten sheets, one on top of the other, the Kalayim Tachtein, and Kalayim is all the way at the bottom layer, also Lishan Aleya. You're not allowed to sleep on it. The Gzeda still applies. They made the Gzeda without any change. So therefore, the question is, what could you use this Kalayim that you would be sending to your friend on Yontif? And for the Gemara, Ela Beviloin. So what are you going to say? You can use it as a curtain. And there, there's no issue of Kalayim. But that's also not allowed. Because Va'oma Ula said, Omru Viloin Tomei. Why was it said that viloin is makabal tumah? A curtain is makabal tumah. Usually a wall of a house is not a beget, it's not makabal tumah. Why is a curtain makabal tumah? Because sometimes the shamish, the waiter, the servant in the house, he doesn't have proper clothing wearing, so he, he uses the, the curtain to wrap himself in it, so he uses it as a garment. So therefore it's, it is used as a garment. So what do you see? That even a viloin is used sometimes as a garment. So you can't make a curtain from kalayim. So that can't be the purpose why you're sending it. And for the Gemara, Ella, what kind of a climb is our Mishnah talking about? Bekashna. It's talking about a material that's very rough and therefore does not give the person any benefit, doesn't give the person any warmth, and therefore you're allowed to sit on it. There's actually a machlaikis here between Rashi and Taisis. If you look at Rashi, the first Rashi says, because it's a rough material, so you're allowed to sit on it. From Rashi, it's mashma, you sit on it, yeah, but you're still not allowed to wear it. Taisu says that it's mashpah from the Pshat and the Gemara, that because it's kashin, it's, it's a rough material, you're allowed to use it even to wear it. There's no is of climb in such a case where it doesn't give you any uh, warmth whatsoever. Some kind of a uh, tough material from this place, Narish, that's, that's, uh, that's, they use it uh, in such a way that it that doesn't give a person any... Uh, any warmth? Sharia. It's allowed. It's allowed to be used in Yontif. Ah, you have the exact translation over there. What is it? Yeah. Ah? It's a hard felt. Okay. Amar Rav Papa. Similar thing. Rav Papa said, Erdalin, which literally is translated as like the, the undershoes or the overshoes, rubbers. What we, use, we call today rubbers, but in those times it wasn't made of rubbers. It was made of kalai. It was made from some kind of a rough material that they put under the shoes. There's no issue of kalai because it's a rough material and it doesn't give the person any warmth.